You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello and welcome to episode one of That One Time on Tour. My name is Chris Swinney. I'll be your host. This is my new podcast where I talk to friends and acquaintances of mine that have been on the road in some form or another in and around the music industry. Uh, we talk about stories that have funny stories, scary stories, whatever there is to talk about. We covered in this podcast. I'm very, very excited to get this thing going. Thank you guys so much for checking this out. Please, if you enjoy this first episode, please subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a review. It'll help grow this thing. Hopefully I'm going to do this pretty consistently, get some good episodes out there. I've got some guests lined up and I think it's going to be really cool. So thank you once again for checking this out. My first guest is one of the best guys in the entire world. His name is Joel Green. He is a founding member of the band Emery. He played with me in my band, The Widow Jenkins. He did pre-production for his solo record at my old recording studio, The Gallows. He went on vacation with my family. He lived with my sister for five years as a roommate. He's the best guy in the world. I have a long history with Joel, and we cover a lot of it in this podcast. So thank you once again for checking this out. Please, if you enjoy this, tell your friends, You know, share it on Facebook. Like us on Facebook, like us on SoundCloud, uh, like us on Instagram. We have a Twitter. We have all kinds of stuff. And uh, all of the handles are the same for the social media. It's slash T-O-T-O-T podcast. That one time on tour podcast. So thank you guys once again. And here it is, my conversation with my good friend, Joel Green. Joel, what's going on, man? This is Chris. How you doing? Pretty good, man. How you been doing? I've been doing really, really well, man. I, I miss you. I feel like I haven't seen you for like a decade. It has been a really long time. Yeah. Probably when, close to a decade. When uh, when did you move back to South Carolina from Indiana? I don't remember. It was like 2010 or 2011. Okay. Well, I can't remember exactly. So but. it was like right before I moved to the beach, Pretty, I'm pretty sure, like, like a year before or so. Yeah. Well, that's Yeah, cool. I think it was right around that same time. Because I remember like everything I know about you from... Like the time you, you moved down the beach and everything was just through Facebook. Yeah. I, I know I tried to get you to come down there and run sound for me or something a couple of times, right? Yeah, I remember that, man. I really wanted to too. I was like, man, that'd be fun. Well, but, I used to, I used yeah. to hit up Brian and you and like anybody that I was friends with that knew how to run sound because I was running this big venue and I needed sound guys and I didn't have any sound guys hardly at all. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so you never took me up on that, but I I'm it would have been fun. 
I'm sure, man. I, it's weird that there's not that many sound guys down there because it seems like there are it seems sound like the guys. The music scene was like pro, like thriving down there. Well, here, here's like, the thing about Gulf Shores and Orange Beach: like the music scene is made up mostly of cover bands, which you yeah. know it's a it's a beach town. You know, you and I both have played in cover bands, so it kind of makes sense. But mm-hmm. the sound guy issue was. I had a plethora of sound guys, but they all lived in Mobile and they didn't want to drive to Gulf Shores to do the job because it was like you'd have to get there and be there for like six, seven hours and set up and tear down and the money wasn't that great. So I thought, well, if I had a buddy of mine that came down and lived with me at the beach, they would just go in every day and work and it'd be fun. And because, I mean, the sound guys in Mobile make more money. They don't want to drive to the beach and be there all day to make less money. Yeah, that makes sense. There's not a lot of people that actually live in Gulf Shores that are kind of sound tech guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was the issue. I was running this place and I needed I needed some good employees and I was like, "Well, I'm just going to go to my my Rolodex and get all my buddies to move down and it never worked." <laughs> well, I guess it, I I mean, you got a pretty sweet deal cuz you could be like, "Hey, you just live with me," you know. Yeah, I wasn't even going to charge rent. I'm like, "Hey, just come live with me, work, and I'll pay you under the table whatever it takes." <laughs> I don't know why I didn't do it, man. I mean, that sounded like a great deal. Well, I mean, you already moved to Indiana to hang out with me once, and that didn't work out great. So, <laughs> speak, speaking of that, let's, uh, you know, I would like to talk. This is that one time on tour. You are guest number one. This is my first episode I've ever done, so you should feel pretty awesome. pretty cool about that. I really do, yeah. This is great. Um, very exciting. I mean, do you listen to podcasts very much? Not that much, man. Um I, I love the concept of a podcast. I've even actually even talked about doing one with a buddy of mine. Um, okay. We're, you know, I mean, still in the development stage, but uh, I, I don't know, man. They're really, they are fun to listen to. Like I, I get in on the Joe Rogan thing sometimes. Um, his stuff's really interesting, but it's so long. Like I can't yeah. listen to a three and a half hour episode. I well, just don't have time for that. I, I but, like, really, I'll just catch little snippets of it, you know, it's really cool. I mean, I like podcasts because, you know, I'm in and around music so much. I mean, now my job is teaching guitar, so I'm playing guitar all day. I'm, I'm you know, hearing kids out of tune play all day. <laughs> yeah. So the last thing I really want to do on my commute home or my commute to work is listen to music. And so I used to be yeah. into talk radio, but it just kind of dragged on and there was too many ads. So when I first got into podcasts, it was kind of cool because it's tailored to what you like, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so I listen to like movie podcasts and music podcasts. And I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else, but you know, why not? Let's try it. I got a lot of friends that have done a lot of cool stuff. I might as well have conversations with them and record it. Yeah. I, and that's the funny thing about it is like, we have really led, you know, again, not to sound boastful or anything, but we've led some pretty interesting lives. You know, like we got a lot of crazy, well, yeah, you know, I mean, experiences that a lot of people that like maybe I went to high school with didn't get to do, you know? And yeah, that's the one thing that I, when people ask me all the time, they're like, wow, you got to leave the country for work? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you don't really get to see a lot of like, you know, some of the Atari stuff, like when we went to South Africa and not whatnot, we had some days off where we actually got to enjoy the country and see the culture. But the majority of the time when you're in another country playing music or even just domestic playing music, you pretty much see hotels, tour buses, vans, and venues. That's about it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I remember being on Warp Tour one time. Like, I I couldn't keep track of where we were in the country. I've had I that. Remember, I've had that problem many times. I've done Warp Tour <laughs> countless. I think uh, I was trying to figure it out a couple of months ago. I think I've done like over a hundred days on Warp Tour in my career. I've never done like a full one, but I've always done like stints. 
Yeah, and, dude, the full one is brutal, man. Well, yeah, I I can't imagine. Like, even that. on a bus, it's so hard. It's like, you know, you don't get to shower every day, and I mean, that's the kind of stuff you take for granted, like. Well, yeah, you know. it's it's always nice. <laughs> Whenever I would do warp tour, and then we'd go back to like a normal tour, and it's like, oh, we get to go to Motel Six and actually take showers and watch yeah. watch Saved by the Bell. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly, like lay in a bed. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, because buses are nice, vans are nice, RVs are nice. I've done a couple RV tours, and I mean, that's as close to a bus as you can get. The issue with RVs is that you don't have a guy driving you. Yeah, exactly. You got to drive uh, yourself. Although I will tell you, uh, my first band, Chronic Chaos, we we got we bought an RV to do some touring right before the band kind of called it quits. And Jason, our drummer, which I'm not sure, did you ever meet Jason? Big, big tall guy used to play drums uh, in my first band. I honestly, I don't know, man. I mean, it doesn't ring any bells. Well, if he, Jason Lozier, if you're listening, man, you're going to be a future guest. So shout out to Jason <laughs> Lozier. But uh, Jason was so great because not only did he love to drive. But he's the best mechanic in the world. So anytime anything would go wrong with any of our vehicles, we wouldn't have to go to a shop or anything. We would just sit at the hotel and Jason would go down to whatever auto parts store was there, buy what we needed. And a day or two later, if it was that bad, we'd, we'd be back on the road. Yeah. And I mean, and he, that's great. Yeah, that's that's every band needs uh, um, <clears throat> like a mechanically tag minded person i think what every band really needs and i've I've been lucky to have this in almost every band i've been in is there needs to be like the business-minded guy which is normally Mm -hmm. what i've been like the guy that books the guy that does the interviews the guy that kind of if you don't have a publicist you don't have all that stuff you kind of you take care of that and then you need somebody that can kind of fix things if they break exactly (laughs) and i think if you have those two components everybody else can kind of do whatever they want because at least you've got your mate, your major things covered for when you go on tour or when you're doing like projects. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once, you know, if you have that and, and generally I think those two guys aren't necessarily like the talent in the band. You need, you need the talent, you need whatever like yeah. <clears throat> makes your band, you know, makes people want to listen to your band, but you know, you got those three and then I, you know, the other guy can be like the, the, the Charlie from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, like the, the crazy <laughs> wild card, like, you know. <laughs> well, and I've always felt like, you know, whatever I lacked in the whole charisma talent thing, I've never really been a front man. I've always been the guitar guy. I've done some backing vocals. But like in my first band, Chronic Chaos, and then even in The Widow Jenkins, which we'll talk about soon that you played in with me, even though I wasn't the singer, I did most of the talking and like the onstage stuff. Yeah. Because I, yeah. Always, I always felt confident in that, but I also... I didn't want to be like the front guy because I've never been able to write lyrics. I've never, you know, been able to be a great singer, but I also wanted to kind of be in charge. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe that's just like the control freak in me, but yeah, I always, I always felt like whatever I lacked in the whole charisma, like being a front man, being a singer, I made up for in like passion and hard work. And that, you know, when you're an underground kind of DIY band, even I'm talking like without a label, without anything, there's a lot of work that goes into it. I mean, I remember when I was in Chronic Chaos, my first band, we used to steal phone cards. Jason worked at some like gas station and we'd steal phone cards when you you didn't used to have to, like get them, you know, you'd have to give them to the clerk and then they'd make them work. You could just take them. Yeah. And we would the, like the preloaded cards. Yeah, and there and I don't yeah. know I don't know how familiar you are with it, but there was this magazine or this fanzine, I guess, that came out called, you know, BYOFL, which is Book Your Own Fucking Life. 
and they it was kind of like pre-internet and you would go to the page wherever the city or the state was you wanted to book a show and it had all these bands and all their contacts and like venues and like people that would throw a show for you and I'll tell you man like our first few tours I didn't use the internet at all. I was calling people. I was sending out demos, like actual physical demos, sometimes tapes, not even, not even CDs. Yeah. I remember those days, man. That's, that's what I did during, uh, when I was in college. So in one thing, uh, like people used to be like, Oh, why does, why does chronic chaos getting all these gigs? Why are they being able to tour? Nobody was doing it for me. I was doing it myself. Yeah. So when you get in a band and then you've got people kind of working for you and like taking a lot of that, you know, the brunt of the hard work away, I always felt a little weird because I felt like I didn't have anything to do. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. I, I know you're, I know a little bit about your story just from talking to you and like, you know, stuff that's kind of folklore in the Emory universe, <laughs> by the way, everybody, <laughs> everybody that's listening, Joel uh, was a founding, I guess I, I'll say founding member. I think uh, I heard through the grapevine that you didn't actually play the first Emory show. Right. Yeah. I wasn't like a original, original member. Um, but we'll say founding member cause you were on like the <clears throat> first released record and you were on, you were in the band when they got signed, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I was like, <clears throat> basically the band started in, in college in South Carolina. You know, we, we all went to Winthrop. Everybody knows the story. Any, anybody yeah. who's an Emory fan, like a, like a real fan probably knows, but like, <laughs> you know, the guy that was supposed to play bass, uh, ended up pulling out at the last second. He's like, I don't want to move to Seattle. So yeah. he didn't go. Yeah, I was planning on moving out there anyway with those dudes. So uh, I was like, I'll play bass. Because, I mean, you know, it seemed like it was... Because you're, you're originally a guitarist, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I, I, you know, in college, I was playing, like, guitar and blues bands and stuff like that. <clears throat> but, you know, I mean, that trailer, you know how it is. I mean, yeah. you, you play guitar, you play bass. I mean, well, I mean, let's, let's talk know. about the first time that you and I met and did a tour together. What was I playing? Yeah, you were uh, was, you were a guitar playing, player. Well, I was a guitar player, but, but I was you, playing bass. You, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Brazil playing bass because they lost their bass player. We won't go into the whole story because that's for another podcast. But uh, <laughs> Dude, that was the funniest to me, like because you showed up and like I, I mean, are we allowed to say his name or? Yeah, I mean, just we, we, this is this isn't like a shit talking thing, but you can say <laughs> his name. <laughs> okay, so like. You know, Ben was there, and then like he wasn't the next day. He just disappeared. And I remember how scared I was because, and a lot of the people out there in podcast land might not know what we're talking about, but uh, I was touring with a band called Brazil uh, from here in Muncie, Indiana. They were on Fearless Records. We were great band, great band. It was a great band. You're right. Some of the guys, and hopefully yeah. Jonathan and Nick and some of those guys, Eric will be guests on this podcast. But uh, yeah. so. The first, like, I did Warp Tour with them as their tour manager and, like, kind of working on their their gear and stuff. I was just kind of, like, a hired guy that was a crew guy. And I was doing mm-hmm. that when I wasn't touring with my other bands. And uh, we got asked to do the first ever Emory headlining tour as main support. I believe we were main support, right? Yeah. Yeah, main support. And so some stuff went down, and the original bass player, Ben, uh, ended up leaving the tour in Nashville took all of his stuff with him and all the guys were kind of freaked out. They didn't know what they're going to do. Like this, it was a big deal. Like at that point on your first headlining tour with Emory, you guys were killing it. Like people, we were, you guys were selling things out. Like it was great. Yeah, it was. That was, I remember that was a great tour, man. So here's what happened. <laughs> so <laughs> we're in Nashville 
and the guys in Brazil are kind of freaking a little bit. They don't know what's going to happen. Are we going to have to go home? You know, like this is a big tour. It's going to help the band a lot. And I was like, you guys know I can play bass, right? <laughs> and they all kind of looked at me kind of funny. And, and they're like, well, you got to learn like 10 songs in one night. Cause the next, the next day was little rock, Arkansas. Yeah. And, uh, so we went, we were staying at a buddy's house in Nashville after the gig. And I set up literally till seven o'clock in the morning with my discman. I didn't have an iPod with my, I, and I had to like get into the merch tub and get a CD out and open it. Cause I didn't have the CD. <laughs> yeah. So I got the CD out. I set up in this guy's house. I didn't know the guy. It was friends of the guys in Brazil. And I, he had a bass and it was a five string and I hate five strings. Like that's another story, but yeah. Uh, they're the worst. So I set up until like seven, eight in the morning learning. And I learned like six or seven songs. I tried to get all 10. It wasn't going to happen. And uh, then I got to the gig there in Little Rock. I can't remember the name of the venue, but I remember walking in and I barely knew you. The one thing that I knew about you was that you were super nice and you like to, you like to drink a little. Mm -hmm. And that you and the guys in Emory every day before the gig would watch the OC in the van. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, we used to love that show. I was telling my wife that the other night because I came home from work and she was watching the OC. And I'm like, funny you're watching that. That's probably going to get brought up on the podcast <laughs> with Joel. Because <laughs> I remember I, like, remember, I yeah, stuck like, my head in the van that one day and I said, what are you guys doing? Like, dude, we're watching the OC, man. You know? <laughs> And I was like, the OC, like, I just, I didn't, I wasn't in the know. I wasn't woke, as they say, to the OC. <laughs> it was cool, man. I mean, it was, because I'm a 9 you know I'm a 9 2 one guy. Well, yeah, like, you and I bonded over a lot of that. I mean, you're, you're yeah. a Saved by the Bell guy, too, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. I was watching that today, as a matter of fact. Um, There's a really good you know. podcast. I mean, I have nothing to do with it, but I'll give a shout out if someone wants to check it out. It's called Go Bayside. It's this, uh, <laughs> this girl, April Richardson, she lives out in L.A., and they deconstruct and break down every episode of say by the bell it's the fun it's great. the funniest thing in the world you have to check it out i might have to start listening to that that's awesome <laughs> but yeah so i i roll in to the venue in uh in little rock and i go up to you and i don't remember i don't know if you remember this full thing but i just remember that i went up and said hey man uh i have to play bass for the rest of the tour <laughs> i don't have any gear <laughs> I said, is there any way that you would be willing to let me <clears throat> play your stuff, play your bass and play through your, through your, through your amp? And do you remember what you told me? Not exactly, but I, I, I remember I was totally cool with it. Well, you, you told me, you said, yeah, man, I think that's a good idea, but how about this? I'll let you use it every night, but you got to change the strings every other show. <laughs> That sounds like something I'd say. And I, and I was like, I was like sold. I have to change yeah. the strings every other show to play your gear. Great. And the cool thing about that, you guys probably don't realize this, but the whole rest of the tour, we never had to do any unloading or loading because you yeah. guys, you guys were the headliners and Devin and, and Toby and Matt and everybody, they were kind of like, oh, well, he's using Joel's amp. So we'll just leave our amps out here. Mm -hmm. So we used like all of Emory's gear for the next like, eight weeks of the tour <laughs> <laughs> that was so great though i mean it worked out good for everybody like because it really you know, did a lot more a lot more stage on uh, room on the stage for everybody and, yeah because there wasn't you yeah. know because there were other bands like let me see from first to last was on that tour uh, yeah. uh who else played on that tour there were some other bands um 
Oh, the band from Kentucky that I, I'm totally not remembering the name of the band. But uh, yeah. a thor- did a Thorn for Every Heart play on that tour? They may have. I think they did. My buddy Kelvin yeah. and those guys, I'm friends with them on Facebook. Maybe they'll say something and tell me that they were on that tour. <laughs> That's my biggest problem is like trying to remember which bands were on which tour, man. Like I've got all my tour passes all framed up and everything. Yeah. And I have to, that's kind of how I like remember that, that chunk of my life is I, I'll go and look at it and go, okay, so right around this year I was, you know, out with these guys and yeah. all this stuff. And, you know, because it's, it's all like kind of a blur, man. Well, do, mean, you, do you, do you have any recollection or of any like good stories you can think of from that actual tour that we were on together? Yeah. I mean, the funniest thing to me was like, that Halloween show. And I think, it, <laughs> do you remember who this? I was for Halloween? Yeah, I was. That chopper, was the, the funny. Well, you guys were us. Like that yeah. was the best part about it was we had no idea. Like you know, we, I mean, we'd been working on our costumes the whole tour, man. Yeah, you know, doing that Ghostbusters thing, and I guess you guys were just kind of like watching us and figuring <laughs> out. You know, not only dude, not I, only, I like, went, I went we to wore, a dollar, like I our, went to a dollar general and got like a beanie. And I, th- I think I bought like some kind of like weird t-shirt and chopped the sleeves off. Like I didn't study you that much. I just was like, this kind of looks like chopper. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I pulled it off pretty well. I don't know. Well, the funniest part about it was I didn't even realize what you guys were doing until, uh, I saw Nick. Yeah. And he was dressed just like Josh. Oh, dude. And he was he, he moving it. just like Josh. And I was like, okay. I get it. <laughs> and he, he pulled it off better than anybody as well. And oh, he, he totally did, man. He had, you know, he he's real Josh he's real skinny and I think he had like a wig on and Yeah. I mean and he, you know, Josh and, and Nick are both kind of frail and skinny, so it looked like the <laughs> same person. Yeah. Shout totally. out to, shout out to Nick Newby and Josh Head, by the way, if you guys listen to this. Yeah. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not I saw saying Nick, you're I was frail. like, okay, I get it. Cause I saw you with your sleeveless t shirt on and your boots and everything, and I was like <laughs> I was like, man. Chris looking good, you know. <laughs> do do you do you happen to remember after that Halloween show? That was the last show of the tour. That was in Seattle. That was, yeah, it was the last tour. Yeah. What was what was the what was the name of that venue? Do you remember? Um, let's see, Crocodile Rock or something like that. No, it was um, or the Showbox or something. No, it wasn't the Showbox. It was uh, God, what was? I think when we played there, was it called the El Corazon? I think it was the El Corazon. Yeah, because I I played before there before that. Before that, it was the Graceland. See, I um, played there. I think I played there with Brazil <clears throat> or with some other band I was in when it was called the Graceland because I remember it being the same venue. But yeah, I think it was El Corazon when we played with you. Yeah. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. But do you remember, I was going to say, so it was Halloween. You guys were the Ghostbusters. We were Emery. (laughs) Yeah. Do you remember, you might not remember this because it probably didn't affect you, but a lot of the guys in your band were vegetarians, right? Yeah, we kind of went in and out of vegetarianism. Well, I just, I remember at that point, a lot of the guys were, because I think on that same tour, we had both done things with PETA because Jason was there. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we had stayed. Jason, Jason Bayless. Yeah, uh, Jason. Hopefully he'll listen to this, man. He, he, yeah, Jason, <laughs> dude, what's up, man? I haven't seen you. Was I haven't seen you since warrior, 2004, man. man. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I remember we went to the, the PETA offices in Virginia on my birthday, and they gave me like a vegan birthday cake. And man, to each their own, but I wasn't stoked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'll tell you though, man, those vegan shrimp were pretty good. Um, had, I remember I, that, that, that lunch and it was, uh, they had a big spread, you know, it wasn't well, just cake. It was like food and everything. Well, you guys what hooked it? us up with all that stuff because, you know, like Jason was on the tour, but we didn't really do much with PETA, but we had like a PETA photo shoot and all kinds of stuff, which is funny because I'm the biggest carnivore in the world and I'm standing there in a PETA <laughs> shirt. But yeah. well, speaking of that Halloween show though, like it's the end of the tour and you know how at the end of the tour, you usually prank people. I mean, I've heard stories about your pranks with Emery and whatnot. So I don't know if you remember this or not, but I know the other guys in the band would probably remember. The night before, two nights before when we played in Spokane, we had ended up staying at this kid's house that we met at the show. And his, his parents had like this mansion. I mean, it was insane. And his, mm-hmm. da- his dad was a hunter. So when we left the next day, his dad gave us like eight pounds of elk jerky and elk like beef nice. sticks. And so while you guys were playing, we got the keys to the van and we went out and we hid elk sticks all over the van. <laughs> so you probably, and you were, all, you were home at that point. Like you might not even have gotten the van. So I'm, I don't know who found it or what happened. But at some point, somebody would have found a lot of like dried meat all over the van of the guys who were working with PETA. <laughs> I, I got to be honest, man. I don't even remember that happening. Like, well, I, and, I and that's even, what I'm saying, because you know, we, I remember that night perfectly. Like, it was a great night. We played the show. We were dressed up as you guys. You guys were the Ghostbusters. We snuck in when you were playing and we hit all that meat in the van. And then <laughs> I think like you guys are like, Hey, let's go get some food after the show. And we're like, Oh dude, we got to drive to Florida or whatever from Seattle. Yeah. Y'all had a long ass drive after that. So we just, we just booked it. So like, I never knew it's kind of like, you know, you set a trap and you never know if anything gets trapped. (laughs) Never see if it. it, Yeah. You never get to see your prank come to fruition. Because I mean, I've talked to Toby and Devin and all those guys a few times in the last decade or whatever. And no one's ever said, Hey, did you guys hide a bunch of meat in our van? Like nobody ever said anything. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, if you think about it, man, I mean, dried meat is not going to act the same way. Yeah. As like, if you had a bunch of like raw fish in somebody's van, like true, obviously raw fish, of course, you know, two days later, you're like, what the hell? But you I know, didn't, I didn't sticks, even think man. about that. I mean, that. jerky, it's like, I mean, that stuff can last. Like, well, that's, I mean, you ever like, where's your, you where's your find van like at? an old McDonald's cheeseburger somewhere that's like a year old and it looks exactly the same, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, that's what yeah. I'm, I'm wondering. Like, where is that van, that white van you guys had? Maybe whoever has it now, <laughs> it's still got meat sticks like placed all over the van. Well, actually that van, if I'm not mistaken, I actually talked to Matt about it recently. Um, I was thinking about buying it. Oh, really? And, um, you know, because I asked him, I was like, <clears throat> you know, do you guys still have it? Like, what condition is it in? And he said that um, they put a new motor in it like 40,000 miles ago, yeah. but it needed a new, tr- a new transmission. You know, but he was going to sell it for me. I mean, he sell it to me pretty cheap, but I That's ended cool. up, uh, you know, not getting it. But um, as far as I know, it's well, when I talked to him, this was a few months ago. It was it was in Nashville. Okay. Um, But past that, I don't know. But, man, that thing. Yeah, we had that van for a long time, man. 
So uh, one thing that I'd like to talk about to kind of keep this thing going, and I, I love talking to you. I wish this could be like an eight-hour podcast, but it's not. It's going to be like <laughs> a half hour, 45 minutes, hopefully. But um, yeah. so the story about you moving to Indiana, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Do you want me to kind of give you some questions about that? Or do you remember like the circumstances? Yeah. Um, I remember like, you know, you, you were kind of telling me about the wood and please correct me if, if I'm, okay. you know, getting off subject here, but I was wanting to work with you guys like in a kind of a management capacity or something. Yeah. And, and we, then, and we thought that was great. I mean, like, you know, I knew people in the industry, but at that point, I was under the impression that like, you know, Emory was going to be huge, like the next like <laughs> under oath or something like, I don't know. So you're yeah. like, yeah, I want to manage you guys. I'm like, hell yeah, dude, heck, hook it up. <laughs> <laughs> but meanwhile, I didn't, I had no idea how to manage anybody. I, I had yeah. no idea what I was doing. But at the same time, I was like, I've seen a lot of people like managing bands. Like how hard could it really be? Yeah. You know? But then, you know, one thing led to another and we kept talking about it and I ended up, you know, joining the band. Yeah. Right? I mean. I'd always, um, I'd always been very interested in kind of a, a punk rock version of Iron Maiden. Yeah. And they have, that's three, exactly what it was like, man. They have three guitarists and all of their guitarists are kind of different stylistically, you know? So yeah. it was, you know, you and my stepbrother, Aaron and me, and we all could play our asses off, but we all had way different styles. Yeah. So that's why I loved it because, you know, two guys could be harmonizing leads while another guy's playing like a rhythm riff. Like there could be so many different things going on. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> so do you remember, yeah, great, do man. you remember what happened? Like <laughs> you, you kept driving up to practice from South Carolina, <laughs> driving up to Indiana to practice and driving up for gigs. And then do you remember when you finally moved here, what happened? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean that that went on for months. Like oh, I would months. just take you'd, time off work. You'd sleep on my up. couch and go eat tenderloins at the gas station. Yeah, yeah, for like <laughs> weeks at a time. Yeah, and then I'd go home and go back to work, and yeah. So finally, I was like, you know what? Like I really like this band. Why don't I just move up here? Yeah. So I don't even remember what was it like a week or something before I was about to move. You called me and you were like, No, dude. Uh, listen, listen. It wasn't a week. <laughs> it was literally like forty eight hours before you were supposed to move here. You had the trailer <laughs> packed. <laughs> and I remember, I remember yeah it was pretty tight it was pretty close well we we had a we had a showcase lined up with victory records oh okay i don't yeah, know if I you remember that, that or not but we, yeah we had a showcase they were interested in the band they wanted us to come up there and like play at the offices for the staff and like if they liked us it's like hey game on you know mm -hmm. and <laughs> right before you moved uh our singer decided that he no longer wanted to be in the band. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, t whatever things, you know, it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. But you still moved here, which was really I mean, cool. We, you know, I mean, we were, you know, we were kind of holding, I, and honestly, like I really believed in the band. I was like, we got an interesting sound and like, obviously the singer's gone, but you know, maybe we can, uh, get somebody new in yeah. pretty quick and, and, you know, turn this thing around, which, so, which I mean, didn't, it, which didn't happen. But. Right. Yeah. It didn't end up happening. It but, could have happened, you know? And I mean, we had, plus I had everything like lined out, ready to go. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm going to move no matter what, like, you know, which is what I did. Yeah. So and you, you stayed at my place for a long time. And then my sister's like, I need a roommate. And you're like, I'll move in with you. Yeah. <laughs> And then I think, you know, you got to experience living in Indianapolis, which, 
you know, some people love it, some people hate it. But uh, I know you made some good friends, and I know that you're my sister, and you were probably lifelong friends after all that. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Like, like your sister is amazing, and uh, you know, definitely I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love you, Sarah. If you're listening, I don't know. If I mean, it was listen. just I don't know. It was a really funny, uh, quirky, like living situation. Yeah. You know? Um, I remember one night, I don't know if I ever told you about this, but I came home from work and I knew I had some beers in the fridge and I was like, you know, long day, a couple of beers. Yeah. And, uh, I came in and I <laughs> opened the fridge and I had this like six pack of, uh, I don't know, some, some cheap beer, you know? Yeah. And it was completely empty. And there was like a $10 bill stuck in it with a note <laughs> and it was from Sarah. And she was like, sorry, we drank all your beer. <laughs> and yeah. I was kind of mad. I was mad, but at the same time I was like, I mean, you know, she, she gave me money for it, so I can't be that mad. Yeah, I mean, that, that sounds like my sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's cool, man. I just remember, you know, you kind of being absorbed into my circle of friends, which was pretty awesome. Like, I don't know, like I, I'm I'm really glad that you spent time here and you got to know everybody, and and I feel like yeah, yeah. when you left, I mean, you made some pretty good friends here in Indiana, right? Absolutely, yeah. Well, yeah, like. uh yeah, I mean, I still stay in touch with a bunch of people, you know. That's cool. Um, not maybe as much much in touch as I would like to be, but you know how it is, man. Well, yeah, you, dude. You like, know. I love you. You're one of my best friends, and I mean, we talk like once every three years. So, yeah. I mean, I've got but it's like I've got it's like kids now. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> like when we do talk, it's like nothing has changed. Yeah, know? I mean, there's no time that's gone by at all. Like when we're talking about yeah. being on tour, you need to realize that was 2004 when we did that tour. I mean, that's can you ins- believe how long ago it was? That's insane, man. It's 2018 it now. I know. <laughs> okay, well, I don't want to bore people with all this like funny personal stuff. So I do want to ask. Um, you did, you did, you did a big tour of Australia, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you have any like funny tidbits or anything that happened crazy over there? Um, because I know that see. I know like fans in Australia they can they could be pretty pretty insane. Yeah. Um were you guys well received over there? Like was it was it fun? We really were, man. It was um it was really fun. Uh cuz it was a it was like a two-part tour. Like the first part we were on tour was Story of the Year and okay. Flogging Molly. And that <laughs> but, was like That's an odd pairing, but I'd love to see that. It was that. crazy. Like <laughs> It was so weird because it was like arena shows. Okay. Like, I remember we played a 6,000 person room over there, and I had never played anything that big. Haven't since. Do you remember what city that was in? Was that like in one of the smaller towns, or was that in like. A... It was probably like Sydney. Okay. If I had to guess. But I just remember looking out, like, I remember sound checking, and they had all the lights in, on in the room, and I was just like, it was the biggest place I could ever be in you know that's crazy man and uh, like you just look out and all you see is just a gigantic building and <laughs> yeah. you know then when you went on stage it was like all you could see was like the first maybe three rows and then it was just like kind of a, a blackish haze after that wow. but it sounded like you were in a big room like you know that you know how when you're playing not necessarily when you're playing a big show outside but like when yeah. you're playing in a big room well yeah any, it's just got any, that anything boomy, that's i mean and plus when when you end up you know at some point in your career, you play places that are not set up for concerts. Yeah. And they have not done any kind of, you know, conditioning for the actual acoustics. And yeah. So all they do is just bring in a shitload of speakers and, yeah. just, you know, it's just loud. And 
the sounds bounce all over the place and you know it, it doesn't necessarily sound ideal on stage but you can get through it yeah but um it's just so weird like the energy like you you can't see this huge crowd but you get that energy back from them well I, I, I will say that with uh, one of the bigger shows that i've played uh I played with the Atari's Bamboozle back in 2008 or 2009. I can't remember. Big uh, at Giant Stadium out there in uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey, I believe. Um, yeah. And yeah, like uh, that that day that we played, no doubt played the reunion show and like Demi Lovato oh, and Fallout Boy nice. and like all these crazy bands. <laughs> and I <laughs> I remember like we get up there to play, and it was packed. I mean, it had to I don't know eighty thousand people. I don't even know. But you get up there on stage. And you look out and past the, past the barricade and past like the first three or four rows of people, it's just a blur. Yeah. I mean, so it's is like, it, you can't even make eye contact at that. Point no, it's, it's nerve wracking because it's so in, yeah. insanely huge, but it's not, it, it's not like I didn't get nervous. Like I got, I, I would get nervous to play in front of like three or four people at a bar. Yeah. But when you've got like a hundred thousand people and you're looking out into the crowd and you can only see maybe <laughs> seven people in front of you. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it, there's gotta be some kind of mathematical law about it, but it's like, like I remember I played a, a classical guitar piece at my cousin's wedding and I was terrified. Like yeah. just the, the most fear I've ever experienced with, with a music situation. But yeah, playing in front of 6,000 people, no sweat. You know, it's funny that you say like, that because I, I, I was supposed to play a classical guitar piece at my aunt's wedding a long time ago. And I was so freaked out to do it that I recorded it on a four track and then played it like, <laughs> like, Hey, this is me. This is my wedding gift, but I'm not going to play it because I'm freaked out. Okay. So I thought you meant that you like played it on a recorder, but acted like you were playing it on guitar. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do like, <laughs> I didn't do like a lip sync battle or anything. I, that would have been awesome. They wanted me to play this piece uh, as like a wedding gift or whatever for the reception or whatever it was. And I was so freaked out because I knew there was only going to be like 30 or 40 people there. And it was just going to be me (laughs) with a guitar that the night before I got my four track, like cassette four track out and I recorded (laughs) the entire thing. And then the next day I just handed him a tape. I was like, there you go. Just play the tape. Yeah. Yeah, Here we go. Like, it's totally me doing it. Just take the tape. (laughs) You know, the sentiment is the same. Exactly. Yeah, the cinema, the sound, everything. It's yeah, just, everything's the same. It's just not me doing it live. <laughs> right. <laughs> this way, if I mess up, I can punch in and you know fix it. Yeah, you can all. Yeah, you can go in and fix whatever mistakes you want to. But no, nah, man, back to Australia. It was amazing. Like that first half of the tour was. I mean, story of the year was huge. And oh yeah, flagging Molly. I mean, it was insane. Like like you said, like it was the craziest bill for us to be on because, you know. I had I, never played with bands at that level yeah. before, you know, and it was, it was so weird to like, was that right, be, was that right after the, like the first record on tooth and nail or solid state, I guess is what you guys started on. Right. Well, no, we were on tooth and nail. Um, okay. Uh, I don't even remember when that was, man, to be honest. It was, it was like a year or two before. No, 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 no. It, it would have had to have been after the question came out. Okay. Um, Yeah. Well, we, so the question was already out. So we were, you know, we were on, on two records okay. uh, and the, the question was doing pretty well. Like it was selling pretty good. And, um, you know, we, it was, so we got on that tour and, uh, so yeah, first half was store of the year and Floggy Molly. And then the second half was, uh, I think what they called like motion city soundtrack. Yeah. Motion city soundtrack. They're really good. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's, that's but that still, was more like that was that was still more so like crazy. Bard. Like you, story of the year has some like screamy kind of heavier stuff, and I know Emery wasn't like a total screamo band. You guys had a lot of melody and like you know really cool parts, but that is such a weird mix of bands. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean that would happen to us all the time, man. I remember we went out on tour with like eighteen visions. Wow. And like remembering never like really heavy, like heavy metal bands. Well, one thing and that, we just wouldn't fit. Like, I, I don't know. One thing that I've noticed works, too man. with international touring is I think a lot of the, you know, and maybe we'll get some international listeners. I don't know. But I know that a lot of the, it seems like the international music fans are maybe a little bit more open to maybe going to a show and seeing a lot of different kinds of bands as opposed to in the States. It seems like everybody kind of has to fit together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, know. that could just be a, a an American band thing. I mean, yeah. I remember watching a documentary on, like, Billy Joel when he took his band to Russia in the 80s, you know, and that whole, like, Cold War thing. And yeah. one of the things he was saying was, like, they just, they're just stoked that a band from America is here. Oh, definitely, know? yeah. And, I mean, you know, not to not to make, you know, other countries sound, like, less than, but it could be that kind of thing. Like, oh, God, we could go see this, like, these three bands from America tonight. Well, I, I will Who cares say, what they all sound like, you know, I will say that the last time I was in Europe, I was uh, with my buddy Rob and we were at a karaoke bar in Prague in the Czech Republic. And, uh, I was doing karaoke cause that's what I do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and the guy, the guy that was running karaoke was this guy named Boris. Shout out to Boris. If he ever finds this podcast <laughs> and, um, I got done doing it and I'm not good at karaoke. I just, you know, I'm a musician. So I understand timing and rhythm and, and pitch. And when I came yeah. off, when I came off, I think I'd done like, I think I did like a Madonna song or something stupid. And he go, he goes, <laughs> he goes, you sound so good. You sound like MTV. It sounds like MTV. And I think the, what he was meaning was, and this might go hand in hand with what you're saying, you know, America for sure. We, United States of America, we, you know, broadcast our, our culture out as far as pop culture and whatever. And people get these snippets of everything. So they might like it because of that. But also he said, I sounded like MTV and I talked to him afterwards and we kind of got to the bottom of it. I didn't sound good, but I, I speak English well. (laughs) (laughs) So, so he was like, you know, even though you weren't the best at singing this Madonna song, you understand inflection and pronunciation and you know how to speak English. (laughs) So he said, I sounded like MTV. So I can yeah. see like, you know, no disrespect to other countries. Believe me, I, I'm a traveling crazy person. Um, yeah. and I love other cultures and, and that's the best thing you can do with your time is go seek out and, and meet people from other cultures. But yeah, I think when, when bands from the States go to like different countries and tour, tour abroad that there can be that. I mean, there's a lot of people that probably love the band, but there's a lot of people that are like, Hey, let's go see this crazy band from America that no one knows about, but I bet it'll be awesome. Yeah. There probably is a lot of that too. And I mean, you know, and that, you know, that's a cultural thing too, I'm sure with, cause I don't watch like German MTV. I, I yeah. just, I don't have access to it, but I'm sure it exists, Yeah, you know? And, and like, but I mean, I'm sure that a lot of Germans probably watch American MTV. Well, and, and it kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, one of my favorite bands of all time. And I don't know how well versed you are in them is Silverchair. Yeah. And, you know, Silverchair, they put it when they were super, super young and they got signed, they put out Frog Stomp and it became like, the best selling record that year in America. And then they did, you know, neon ballroom and freak show. And they had all these records in America that did really, really well. And then everybody in America just kind of forgot about them, but they Mm -hmm. continued to put records out in Australia. And they're like, 
they're like Led Zeppelin in Australia. I mean, they're like the yeah. biggest thing ever. And so that's where like I tell people still like, oh, have you heard, you know, the Straight Lines album by Silverchair? And they're like, I didn't even know that existed. I'm like, well, yeah, because they're not big here anymore, but they're still, they were still, they're not a band anymore. They're, they're broke up now. But like, yeah. I think that's the thing of like, you said you don't really watch German MTV, but I bet you there's some killer stuff on German MTV. <laughs> oh yeah, probably so, man. So I think it just becomes, you know, the movies come from Hollywood and, and, yeah. and all our music, everything gets exported. And, and yeah, I think that's why I'm not saying that's the greatest thing in the world. I will say that when I toured South Africa with, uh, with the Ataris, like there's so many great bands, this band called photo Nadons, this band uh, called crash car burn, which is actually the opening band on our tour. So many bands that I would have never heard of. And I still listen to, to this day, like they're on yeah. my computer, they're on my iPod, they're on my iPhone. And those bands deserve to get more attention, but because, you know, they come from Johannesburg, they're probably not going to get it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the thing. Like I, you know, I know, you know, you hear people talk about like, I'm burnt out on music. Like, you know, people posting on Facebook, like, what are you listening to? I'm bored with everything. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, there's a shit ton of music out there. That's so good. You yeah. just got to like figure out how to find it. You know well, what I mean? It, you know, it could be from the underground of America. It could be from another country. People don't have any there. excuse though with the internet. I mean, when I was a kid and you know, I would see Cliff Burton in my Metallica album wearing a misfit shirt. So I go to the record store and buy the misfits. I didn't know who the misfits were. I just, I knew he had a cool shirt on and I saw that on a yeah. CD like kids now. You just knew that a guy that you like, like this band. So yeah. they gotta be pretty good. And that's the yeah. same thing. Like Pennywise, when I was super young and offspring, was big and they were all over MTV. Like in one of the videos, their guitar player noodles had an all had a Pennywise shirt on. So I went and bought a Pennywise album and they became yeah. one of my favorite bands. It's not the fact that I mean, these kids nowadays, they have Spotify and YouTube and all that. Like go seek stuff out. Like just go to Google and put, okay, if you like, you know, if you like, like Emory, okay, let's say there's a kid that likes Emory. If he goes to mm -hmm. Google and he put bands that sound kind of like Emory and Google, there'll be 900 bands. Yeah. Like it's not exactly. hard nowadays. Like people don't understand, you know, if I wanted a no effects record when I was 13, I had to mail order. <laughs> like I could, yeah. I, I couldn't go to Amazon. <laughs> I couldn't, you know, download it from iTunes. I had to like send yeah. an actual piece of paper in somewhere. And then they would six weeks <laughs> later, send me a physical copy. Yeah. You'd have to check your mailbox every, or you'd have to go to the record store and get them to order it for you. That is you know? true. I worked at a record store in the mid to late nineties. Um, and I, they let me have Chris's punk section, which was pretty awesome Yeah, because we had all the distributors and I could get like all this crazy stuff. And it was really cool. Cause then I could get records that I wanted as well. But I had this like little place where, Oh, if you want the new, you know, the new bad religion, it's right here. If you want. And this is before some of those bands were just auto delivered everywhere. But you know, yeah. I had all the fat record stuff. I had all the hopeless record stuff, lookout records, like anything you could imagine. And then this place in Marion, Indiana, like it, you don't think that you're going to go to Marion, Indiana and find like every punk record you want, but you could back yeah. in the late nineties. Cause I worked there. <laughs> well, and that's the cool thing about it is like, you know, like, like you're the kind of guy doing stuff like that. That's like, the guy that works at the, you know, indie record label, like he loves, he, he makes those relationships. He's like, okay, yeah. so this dude, Chris is like bringing our records out there, you know? So he, you know, calls you or whatever and y'all make a connection. And then, Oh yeah, it was you great. Know, the, I, the scene, the scene grows that way. Like that's how you grow the scene. At one you know, time we, we had a venue there in Marion called the rain tree, the rain tree theater. 
uh, and it used to be an old movie theater. We had shows there, and like Rise Against came and played, and uh, right when right before the record, the first record on Fat even came out, and that for a while we were talking to Dropkick about coming and playing there, like. So I don't know if I had a lot to do with it from ordering records, but people were starting to take notice that we actually had a venue and that, you know, we had kind of like this kind of punk rock collective of people that were trying to throw shows in this little venue. So it was, it was pretty cool. It was a good time in my life. Yeah. I felt, like, I felt know, like we were doing something that was positive. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Cause I mean, you're, you're, you know, you, you have a passion for these bands and this type of music and, and you want to do everything you can do to help them like, not you know grow in your area because you you want you want to see them. yeah you definitely know, you want to interact with them and stuff it's uh you know i don't know i mean i hate to sound like the old guy that's like oh, well but here's, you know, here's, here's, it's here's not the like deal. it is you know we are the old guys so we, we might as well we may as well sound <laughs> like that i mean i've, I've fought it long enough i'm accepting i've been that. saying that for like eight years like i don't want to be the old guy but you you're know, older now, than me man come on yeah i'm 43 now so i'm i'm a middle-aged man I'm 39, to. man. I'm getting, I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you what, yeah, this Joel. Is, yeah, this is your last year, so enjoy I, it, man. I tell you, man. Um, <laughs> this is the first episode. I think it's been pretty stellar. Uh, would you be interested in coming back for a part two? Absolutely, man. I'm not. Cut, like, I'm not cutting you off. I just know this is the first one, and I don't want people to like, man. They're never going to stop talking about stuff. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I tell you, I, yeah, I would love to, man. I would. I could. I could do like part eight, nine, and ten if you want. Okay. Well, you'll, yeah, you'll, I, absolutely. Uh, definitely part two man i'm i'm really interested in that well i i will i want to leave with one last tiny story and I'll, okay i'll bring it up and then i want some feedback from you okay um, <laughs> i'm not sure exactly what the year was uh but at one point you went on vacation with my family and i yes to florida I do. Remember. I remember most of it. <laughs> and uh the one thing that i remember is that one night we went out with everybody that was there, you know, we went out to the bar. Of course, my mother and my stepfather, they stayed back, but we went to the bar and you were hanging out talking to the, the band that was playing and, and you had, you had a little <laughs> bit too much to drink. Yeah. And we, uh... we had had, uh, some mahi mahi, some seafood that afternoon. <laughs> and we were in my mom, we we're in my mom's brand new Suzuki SUV. Right. <laughs> And we're driving back from the bar and Joel had a little problem. <laughs> do you yeah, want, do you want to take, you want to take it from there? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, most people can uh, fill in the blanks with your, uh, you know, with the chemical reactions. We had a little of, bit too much fun. Uh, too that much night. Booze of course and, I was uh, driving. I was totally fish. fine, but yeah, yeah. You were totally sober. <laughs> As I remember you were, pretty much the entire time I've known you. Yeah. I'm not much I'm of a drink. I think I've seen you have like maybe three beers in the whole time I've known you. I think there was a night on that, uh, 2004 tour with you guys where I, I got a little lit cause I was stoked that I was actually playing music and not just fixing guitars. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I, you know, I, I made a mess in your, your parents, uh, SUV, but the greatest thing ever was uh, that it just amazed me that you guys like you, you like cleaned it up. Were, I, like, I went out there at four in the morning it. after we got home and I actually used like Windex and stuff and I cleaned up the entire, and they never knew <laughs> they didn't know that ever happened until probably like four years ago. My sister told them. Did she? <laughs> yeah. Like, I think she like felt guilty or something. Oh, but but what it, was that like? Were you there when she told them? No, I wasn't, but I was a little aggravated. Oh, I'm like, why did we go through so much work to cover it up? <laughs> If you're just going to tell them 10 years later, you know, 
Did they get mad? No, they didn't. They didn't care. <laughs> they, thought, right. they thought it was it, funny. If y'all are listening, I sincerely apologize for that. that oh, was, they love uh, you like like a son, yeah. man. They talk, yeah, they ask know, about you all the you, time. You, you barf in somebody's car and never tell them about it. It's kind of a shitty thing to do. <laughs> well, but let's let me let me end this story and in this podcast as well with uh, something that I think is funny about that night. You might not remember this, but I thought it was hilarious. So we stop at the gas station. Uh, on the way back, you, you'd already done your business and you not, your shirt was off and you were kind of breathing hard. And, you know, and, and I was like, we need to get some water for Joel. So we stopped at the gas station and you get out of the car and you start to walk in. And my sister, my sister had some drinks, too. And she was walking behind you. And I was I was there with you guys. And there was these two kids on skateboards out front of the gas station. And my sister. Says to the two kids, do you know who that is? And they said no. And she goes, That's Joel from Emory. Google it. And then she <laughs> And I, I'll That's never awesome. I'll never forget that. I think we've made fun of her for that almost since that happened. It's always like That sounds like something she'd say, man. She's like, That's Joel from Emory. Google it if you Google don't know. <laughs> and I'll I'll tell you that that was one of my fondest uh vacations I've ever had. That was a fun vacation, man. We had a really good time. It was that cool. Was man. Awesome. Well, yeah. Joel, I've uh, I've really enjoyed I've really enjoyed this podcast, and you've made my first episode a lot of fun. Uh, I didn't really know how it was going to go, but I we haven't really had a lot of silence. I don't even think I'm going to edit this, man. Sweet. But um, I That's want to tell you, I love you like a brother. You're the best. Dude I love in, you too, man. You're the best dude in the world. You've got great stories, and definitely we're going to do a part two. Uh, so awesome. do you have anything you want to promote? Like, are you, are you playing in a band right now or, uh, actually, yeah, man. Um, I'm playing with a couple of projects right now. Um, uh, I've got a, I've got a band called dysfunction and we're kind of, kind of tra- trying to start playing out around the Greenville scene. Um, sort of, uh, you know, it's a cover band, but we're doing a little, we're leaning heavy on the, uh, old school R and B stuff. Okay. And then I'm also playing guitar with an original band called, uh, JJ Woolbright and the Whiskey Road. Cool. Um, based out of Seneca. And that's kind of like, um, you know, modern classic rock type stuff. Very heavy guitar based, you know. Uh, uh, think like a modern version of Leonard, Leonard Skinner cool, type man. of deal. So, you know, right. staying pretty busy. And that stuff's all on Facebook. They can, they can find all that yeah, all those yeah, bands yeah. on Facebook. Okay. Yeah, you can find us on Facebook, man. Well, hey, man, I just. You're the best dude in the world. Thank you so much for being a guest on that one time on tour. <laughs> Thanks, Chris, man. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you thinking. Yep. I'll talk to you very, very soon. And as soon as this is up on the net, man, you'll know about it. Okay. Awesome, man. Sounds good. Cool. Talk, talk to you, to you later, soon, man. Buddy. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. And there it was. Episode one of that one time on tour. Joel and I went pretty deep with some of that stuff. Um, please check out his bands. He was talking about dysfunction. And uh, he was in another band. I can't right now remember the name of it. <laughs> so just go back and listen and you can check it out. I had so much fun talking to Joel. He's a great guy. I'm sure you could tell from the conversation that we had that we've had some really, really good times. And uh, yeah, it was it, this thing is a lot of fun. I knew doing a podcast would be kind of scary, but you know, I like to talk and uh, it's a lot of fun. So I can't wait for the next one. The next podcast that we're going to have, my guest is going to be my old tour manager from when I was in the Ataris, uh, Gavin Smith. 
He's uh, lived all the way out in the Poconos, out in Pennsylvania. Uh, we had a lot of fun when we used to tour together, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun talking about everything. So I'm not really sure when that episode is going to come out. I still need to do the interview and edit everything together. So uh, I'm going to get better at this as we keep going. Hopefully they'll be more frequent. But yeah, look out for episode two with my good buddy Gavin Smith. And uh, thank you guys so much for checking this out. Please check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud. Um, it's slash T O T O T podcast that one time on tour podcast. So thank you guys. I'm going to leave you with my favorite Emory song. I heard it every night on tour on that first tour back in 2004. Uh, it's a song called walls. So here it is. Joel Chopper green on the bass guitar with Emory playing walls.
One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.